0: So for me, social media is really just a funnel. It's a means to get someone onto my email list. So what I would do in your case, Jason, is I wouldn't post that online on one of the Facebook pages or whatever, but I would send an email to my database saying,
1: It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome back to...
2: The Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host Jason J. Lou Lewis. Today, the episode's going to be about the marketing benefit and the power of marketing to real estate in general. Not only the marketing and how you can raise capital, find investors, but also just overall marketing concept behind making sure your real estate you own is fully maximized. Just overall concept to that and who better than someone whose background is in marketing leading campaigns for GM General Motors Nike Coors Light and many others he is a general partner gp in 90 million worth of apartments across Ohio Texas North Carolina and Florida he's also the host of the target market insights multifamily and marketing podcast and the co-creator of the Midwest real estate Networking Summit. A guy who's doing it all successfully
0: right now, and we're
2: lucky to have him on, Mr. John
0: Kasman. Welcome. Jason, thank you for having me on, man. It's good to talk to you. I want to call you J. Lou, but uh, I'm from Cleveland, and there's a guy who played for the Baltimore Ravens uh, who used to crush us all the time. So I can't call you J. Lou, uh, so I'm gonna stick with Jason, but it's great to be on and talk to you today. Hey, I like it. That was... Uh, um,
2: I came about when I was a kid, and now most you know we just kind of a little fun little thing to do on the podcast. I never introduce myself as that because it's kind of a <laughs> uh, a little uh awkward thing to 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 introduce yourself, but it's kind of fun on the podcast you'll you know have a little fun, but why I say that is I had an older gentleman when I got into real estate in two thousand and five he wanted to be cool, and uh when we go on uh, he was a fellow commercial real estate broker and PGA pro back in the day, super successful. And I'd go on on meetings with him and he would always introduce me as J Lo. So uh at least you don't call me uh J Lo. Jason's Jason's great, but having uh probably he's, maybe he's in his 80s at that time, super successful real estate guy and, and golfer as well. And uh people would kind of just be like, I don't know how in the world or why in the world your name is J Lo when you're but uh he just every time I just went with it. So I was early 20s. So hey, is Jason's a lot better than, uh, than, than Lo? So
0: Listen, I definitely won't call you Lo, but it's good to be here. And I'm
2: excited to talk to you in the audience today, man. Great. Well, I've already uh, talked too much for the whole episode. So I'm going to dive right in and, and with the question kind of what, what got you started, take us back to when you got started in the real estate game and the marketing and when you maybe combine those two to, to be the, the powerhouse that it has been for you in the past few years.
0: Yeah, so my story is pretty similar to what I think a lot of your listeners are going through, where you know I worked a corporate job and I was in corporate America, and I was looking for ways to supplement my income, but also to be able to cut the cord if I needed to. And at the time, I was at General Motors leading campaigns there, and this was 2007, 2008. And uh, as many of you know, the economic crisis hit, and uh, a lot of the folks around me lost their job. So I was okay. And I actually thrived through that time. I actually got promoted and led Buick to be one of the fastest growing brands in America. But what became really clear was no matter how successful I was in a, any moment in time in corporate America, they could pull the rug from under my feet at any moment. And I didn't want my entire career hinged to the success of any company. So at that moment, I really started to focus more on real estate. You know, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad back in college and thinking back on that book and thinking about those concepts, I realized real estate was one of the ways to really help me have a path of financial freedom. So started to look into investing more and more, going to RIAs, reading books. Uh, I don't think I was really listening to podcasts back then, but starting to really educate myself as much as I could. And then ultimately bought our first property, which was a two unit building and continued to scale and build from there.
2: That's great. And what city was this at that time?
0: So at the time I was in Chicago, so I bought a two-unit building in Chicago, lived in one unit, rented out the other unit, and then continued to scale from there. So I left Detroit in 2011 and then moved to Chicago and started. That's great. And you took your marketing kind
2: of background um, and that's helped you be the real estate investor you are today. You want to dive in a little bit about kind of the power of marketing, both from a fundraising standpoint, and also just how it's benefited your real estate. Uh, over the years to be a little more successful. I'm guessing multifamily, there's a marketing
0: component to it. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, really every business problem comes down to marketing in some capacity, right? It's understanding your price points. It's understanding your distribution. It's understanding your promotion. And it's really the same thing here. And it took me a while to figure that out, right? Because this was a new area, a new category. And once I stopped and really processed that, hey, you know what? these challenges are actually really similar to challenges I faced in marketing for different brands. And it was myself, that was really the hardest thing was it was myself and my business that was the product as opposed to a pair of shoes or a beverage. I had to actually let people know what I was doing, who I was, why real estate was a great benefit for them. It had to figure out how to communicate that. So marketing was a great tool to do that. And one of the first things is notifying people about what you do, right? So talk about word of mouth. You have to communicate with people what you do, why you do it, how it can benefit them. And a lot of people do that through various touch points. That could be a live one-on-one conversation. That can be going to events. That could be creating a thought leadership platform or some sort of content platform where you can write a blog or create a podcast and share more information through that outlet. Really starting to leverage some of those elements to really connect with people was a great way to think about it. And for many people, they think of marketing and it, it may feel like it's salesy or something like that. Marketing is simply letting people know what you do, what the value is, and how they can benefit. That's it. And that's, anything. If you're talking to someone about how they could save money on a deal that's happening, if you're talking to them about a product or service that you offer, it's all marketing. You know, so whether it's word of mouth marketing, or whether you're creating a TV campaign to educate other people, it's really the same thing. It's just a matter of how much scale are you putting behind it? How much rigor are you putting into it? And how much effectiveness are you looking to drive?
2: That's great. What what are maybe some specific tips of someone that's say, a real estate broker, a real estate investor, someone looking to get into syndications, any of those aspects, what's maybe a couple tools that you see that are the easiest that they'll actually implement? Because I think the issue a lot of times people struggle with, there's so much
0: you can do. So they just, they get overwhelmed and don't do anything. Yeah, great point. I mean, listen, I think the very first thing that anyone should do. If you want to get into multifamily and you want to start attracting capital for deals, one of the first things you have to do is tell people, Period. You have to tell people. Now, I'm not saying you just walk around and call people. What you may want to do is create a piece that people can kind of consume on their own. So whether that is kind of a presentation or an overview deck, uh, a blog post, it can be an email. But you need to create something that you can send to people. Because if you don't do that, they're going to feel pressure. If you and I are talking and I start talking to you about my investments and what the return projections are and I ask if you're interested, you're going to feel a little bit of pressure. I mean, you're my friend. You know, So if we're sitting here and we're talking, I'm talking to my friends and my family, they're going to feel a little bit of pressure and they're going to throw their hands up, the wall's going to go up, and you're not going to get the reaction that you may intend to get. So you have to give people a little bit of a chance to learn more on their own and let them believe this is their idea, right? And part of the way you do that is one, you educate them, but then two, you don't ask for the sell right away. You don't ask them to, hey, come invest with me. You just simply let them know, hey, would you be interested in hearing more? as I come across opportunities, or as you know, we develop more. And if you can do that, if you can get them on your email list, you can send them future communications. Now you're in a place where you're allowing them to warm up to the idea. So the first thing I would do is I would create a piece of content, whatever you feel comfortable with, but I would create a piece of content that you can share with people. And I would email them and I would get an email list going. So you have a list of folks who are interested in hearing more about real estate investing, and you can share content through that platform.
2: How often do you email? Some people, I, I hear it all over the range and very some people are very adamant. So I'd love to hear kind of what your take on how often that should be.
0: I ebb and flow my emails. So um, at times it's weekly, at times it's monthly. Part of it comes down to messaging, right? If you have something compelling to say, then by all means, you should you should reach out to people. Um, but, you know, I... It, I'm at a point where I get a ton of emails and especially, you know, when when you have things like COVID-19 that take place, you had all these companies reaching out to you, telling you we're here for you and all of that. It's like, you don't give a damn about me. So, you know, you start getting those messages and they're not really adding value. And it's really just the clog in my inbox. So what I would say is it really comes down to the value you're adding for your audience. Um, who's your audience? What are they looking for? Are you able to add value to them? And I'm not just talking about letting them know, hey, your new episode is out or your new blog post is live. If it's not really going to add value to them, then maybe it's not ready to send. So you should figure out what that means and what that cadence is. And it's going to differ for the individual. Uh, but your, your audience will tell you. If you look at your numbers, it, they'll tell you, right? If you start to see your open rates drop, if you start to see people unsubscribing from your email list, that may give you an indication that you're not giving enough value. But if you're writing fantastic articles or fantastic pieces that provide a ton of value for people, then you'll see high open rates. You're going to see high engagement. You're going to see people sharing that. You're going to see new subscribers growing to your email list. So those things you kind of just have to monitor and then make sure that you are, you know, reacting accordingly based on the metrics that you're seeing. There's not really a right or wrong answer to say, hey, do it weekly or do it this. It's really about the value you're adding to your audience. What do you think of the
2: opt-in or you, they just, I don't know what they call it when you just automatically send it to them, but the, do you follow the belief that if you have say 100 people, do you need to make sure you reach out to them and kind of get their information uh, and acceptance in advance? Or do you say, hey, if someone's getting going in investing and investing and raising capital, can you send it to that 100 email list without having them opt in in advance?
0: That's why I say it would start, it's best to start with a piece where you can ask someone to opt in, right? So if, I, if I'm having a conversation with you, Jay, I would say, hey, Jay, you know, I'm working on some, some real estate. I'm working on multifamily right now. There's some really interesting ways that you could save money. You can actually, you know, get some great cash flow. You can reduce your taxes and there's some other benefits to help you diversify your income. Would you be interested in hearing more? at that point you probably say sure i wouldn't mind all right listen i'm going to add you to my email list and you'll get a communication i don't send that emails that often but you'll see some stuff come through on the email list if you have questions you know we can follow up and go from there so for me I wouldn't just throw people on a list. I've done it when I started. And I will tell you it's, uh, it's not the best experience because it's kind of spam, right? If you just start getting emails from people on something you didn't ask for, it's spam. So I wouldn't take that approach, especially with your friends or family. And that was a lesson I learned going through that, that initial campaign. What I would do is I would simply create my list and I would start an outreach. And that can even be an email. You could just send an email to someone and say, hey, you know, I'm working on some things here in multifamily." Would you be interested in learning more about it? All you have to do is, you know, I'm just going to add you to my email list. If you get the first email and you hate it, just let me know and we'll unsubscribe you. You can do that via email. You can do that through a mass email. So you don't have to sit there and do, you know, 100 emails or 100 phone calls. You can reach out to those individuals that way. But I would say get the initial opt-in so people at least know what to expect. And it makes you deliver massive value in that initial email so they are interested in hearing more and learning more about you. That's great. Anything...
2: On the marketing aspect, once you've, say, raised the investors, raised the capital, do you use marketing as a tool to find deals or manage deals or any other aspects along the real estate once you've you've raised the capital?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I think part of what you want to do is you always are working on your awareness, right? You're working on your awareness. Who knows you? What do they know about you? Do you have a brand? And it sounds... Um, maybe superficial to talk about yourself as a brand. But the reality is that people are going to Google you, right? So if you are talking to a broker, if you're talking to um, a seller, they're going to Google you. And they want to see who you are. They want to see what kind of social proof you have. What comes up when I search your name? And that's going to dictate to them whether or not you're credible, whether or not you're serious. So I would say if you have those kind of things, you need to start creating social cred. You need to start you know, posting on social media, updating your LinkedIn profile to reflect what you've done, the deals that you've done. And you may want to share that information with a broker directly. If you close on a deal, or if you just raise money for a deal, you should let brokers know, hey, guys, we just closed on this 150 unit deal or 20 unit deal, whatever it was. Um, You know, if you have some opportunities, we'd love to take a look, right? So make sure you're staying top of mind and reaching out on those kind of things. If you've helped people, now you have to be careful here. But if you've helped people from an investment standpoint, you can go out there and make something that's a generic post to talk about, hey, we just, help some people, you know, get in and get some passive income. You know, if you're interested in learning more about that or seeing future opportunities, let me know. You can do something like that or even better than that, instead of a, a post that may be more solicitation. In this case, what you can do is actually create value, create a case study, create um, you know, something else of value that you can put out there and say, hey guys, just did a case study of our last deal, how we helped investors you know, double their money or whatever the case may be. If you're interested, just click here to download or shoot me an email and I'll send it to you. So something like that where you can kind of post, get some excitement about it, but let people opt in. I mean, that's really the best thing to do is put something out there. It's almost like fishing, right? Put the bait on a hook and throw it out there and let people raise their hand and say, hey, I'm interested in seeing more of that. And I think that's too, That that's something where where, again you're adding value to people um you obviously get what you're looking for but if you're creating value for people they will have no problem reaching out and saying hey i'm interested in learning more about that
2: yeah for sure what any legalities i know that our lawyer had uh, had me remove a post a few years ago when we were doing a syndication um I, I don't remember exactly what it was but i mean that that phone rang within seconds of him seeing that that social media post any recommendations or tips to stay under the legality if you're not going to be um, raising capital from uh, qualified investors
0: yeah i mean you're talking about basically 506b versus yep. 506c not to get too technical here but um in, with unless it's a 506c you cannot openly advertise or solicit for investors right so in that case things you don't want to do you don't want to post uh, just close or just bought this right Um, anything that may be construed as, um, deliberately soliciting for investors, um, might be, might be a problem, right? Especially if it's tied to a deal or any returns or anything like that. So you don't want to do those kind of things. What you can do is you should let people know what you do from a business standpoint and how you help people creating content from that perspective. It just should not be tied to a deal specifically. So I would say, if you're even that case study example, maybe you don't write the exact deal, maybe you don't talk about that, and again, I wouldn't post the case study directly. I would ask people if they're interested in seeing it to email me, and it wouldn't be about a specific deal or a specific investment opportunity that they would be getting into. It's just more to learn about our company because there's nothing wrong with telling people what your company does. It's really gets it gets into solicitation where you're telling people, "Hey, we just closed this deal. if you want to get into the next deal, let me know right or or do that. Like, that's where you run into those, those gray areas where it's a little bit tricky. It's not even gray. It's just not something you should do. Um, so, I would say you definitely want to avoid anything that's tied to a deal, but focus on educating people. Focus on education, letting them know, you know, obstacles that you overcame, questions that in- investors had, um, you know, case study. I think those things are really great if you can find ways to convey those messages.
2: That's great. I, I have a, a personal. Question: see what you think we raised yeah. uh, uh money from a group of dentists and we sold the project successful um right before covid hit one of the Congratulations. investors <laughs> hey yeah, exactly you know it was, it was um, but one of the investors just recently emailed me and said hey this, we got your big check, you know, um, and this is awesome. Let us know if you have another one, but why I want to let you know is we bought with that. It gave us just enough, like that, Hey, we, we can justify this celebration. They bought their kids a trampoline. They were stuck at home. So they bought a trampoline with part of the the proceeds. They probably wanted to spend that money otherwise. And I was like, man, I would love to like post this, but I was kind of like, ah, you know, that the, the legality of that and investors. So I decided not to, but I thought that was kind of a fun thing. I was going to post about, uh, how we helped an investor buy a trampoline with their proceeds for their kids. Cause they were stuck inside with no school for two months. So, but I don't know. What, what do you think of that? Is that, uh, in that gray area out,
0: yeah i mean you know it's it's probably in the gray area i think anything exactly. posting about a deal or proceeds from a deal like i don't i don't announce anything anymore so yeah. i mean you like you go to my facebook or whatever you're not going to see me talking about deals um there may be something from like the very first deal we did but i don't really talk about deals anymore um what i would say though is and for me and this is a really powerful tip for your listeners anyone who's serious about trying to raise capital and, and actually this isn't even just about raising capital this is any marketing for any business or real estate in general. So whether you're an agent or a broker, you're just trying to get more clients. Part of it is you can't control social media, okay? You cannot control the algorithms. You cannot control who sees your message or any of those things. So for me, social media is really just a funnel. It's a means to get someone onto my email list. So what I would do in your case, Jason, is I wouldn't post that online on one of the Facebook pages or whatever, but I would send an email to my database saying, hey, I was just talking to such and such. I know we're all cramped in during COVID-19. They actually took some of the proceeds from the last deal we did and bought a trampoline. You can do that on your email list because that's not solicitation. These people are already on your list. So that's why I think the number one thing you can do is have an amazing lead generation piece have something that is so enticing, so compelling, that people want to give you their email address. Once they do that, once they're on your email list, now you can communicate with them and that makes it a little bit easier. So even on social media, if you got 5,000 friends or family or people who just like you, um, find ways to get those friends and family onto your email list. Um, that's really the best, the best thing you can do. So that way you're not tied to social media. I mean, think about it. even if you made that post, there's no guarantee how I many people would see that, you know, if you make that post and 10 people see it. Is that worth a risk? Absolutely not. But to get those emails, put them on your list, and then connect that way, it's gonna be way more fruitful for you. So I would say definitely focus on converting those connections into your email list. That's awesome. What What's one, before we jump into the final five, what's one thing that you
2: see that marketing might be changing or maybe an opportunity for you know post-COVID, end of 2020, early 2021, something out there that you're like, hey, I think this might be an opportunity uh, for someone, say the next TikTok or next Facebook or email, whatever that is. Is there anything that John Kasman is like, this is it and I'm going to jump on it?
0: Well, there are a couple of things that I think are really big right now. One is webinars. We're seeing a lot more webinars from different investors. And as people are getting, you know, we're on Zoom right now recording this. So as people are getting more and more comfortable and familiar with technology, Zoom, webinars in general, I think you're going to see more and more of that. And one of the reasons webinars are so powerful, at least for multifamily investors, is you have people who have to register. So unlike just going live or, or, you know, um, Uh, some other way of just showing video and sharing video people have to actually register and give you that email address. Go back to what I just talked about, right? So now, if I get 100 people who watch my webinar, that's 100 email addresses that we've captured as well. So webinars is one thing that you're gonna see, I think, more and more people doing and implementing for that reason, so they can drive those connections. The other thing is, I do think you're gonna see more virtual connections, more virtual conferences, more um, you know, lives, more TikToks, uh, and more personality. Because as people are trapped at home, you don 't want to see this this cold corporate message. you want to see people you know with their family, with their friends hanging out, having a good time, a sense of normalism right uh, We like to see that, so whatever it is you 're into, people want to understand that that 's what make instagram so so special that 's why people do like Facebook is to be able to see and get a glimpse of people 's lives so I think you 'll see more of that um, live conversations where people are going. Um, And having dialogues like this, you know, I think in the future, what you may see is this being live, you know, where we're going to go on, we're going to record it so we can put on the podcast, but we may be doing this live on Instagram or Facebook or something like that. So there's a live feed of people who watch it real time. And then there's going to be people who watch this, you know, uh, a month from now or whenever this decides to come out. So I think those are a couple of things that I'll keep my eye on: is definitely virtual events, virtual content, and kind of simultaneous uh, casting of of, uh, of conversations. That's great. Well, let's take
1: a quick break here from our sponsor, and we'll jump right back in with the final five. Hey, it's Adam Adams, and I am thrilled and excited to announce the launch of my brand new brand new YouTube channel. So I don't know if you like YouTube or not, if you watch YouTube or not, but if you do, head over and please subscribe to the Apartment Investing Show. This YouTube channel is 100% about apartments only. If you're looking to fix and flip, not the right show for you. If you're looking to invest in hotels, not the right show for you. This is the Apartment Investing Show. And I mean the Apartment Investing Show and I'm thrilled and excited about it. If you can, do me a giant favor, run over there right now. If you're a YouTube watcher and find the Apartment Investing Show, please give me a rating and a review, like give us a thumbs up and subscribe, click that bell. We're gonna be pushing out some amazing content on the YouTube channel. So if you are looking to scale and grow and get into apartments, whether it's syndication or just owning these on your own, The Apartment Investing Show is the right show for you. Go look for The Apartment Investing Show on YouTube right now, and I'll see you there. We're back from break with John Kasman. We're going to jump
2: right into the final five. The first one is, what's the most creative real estate deal that you have done or heard about?
0: Man, um, seller sold not my deal, but seller financing. You know, guys doing master lease deals and sandwich master lease options. These things are so compelling to me. A little bit complicated, but in short, the way it works is uh, you find a seller, an owner, and you enter into an agreement with them to take over the operations of the property. So you do a master lease with that individual. Um, you then turn around and lease out the property to uh, a resident and you have taken out no loans you basically use the cash flow from the resident to pay the, the current owner and you you eat the profits so you've got no risk in the deal and you've came come out of pocket with no money and uh, you know you've got this nice cash flowing asset, and then on the back end you have the option to sell it to that buyer at a price that's higher than what you have it under contract for. So you get paid a couple of different ways. But that is definitely one of the most creative deal structures that I've seen, and I know a few people who've done that.
2: Great. What's uh, what do you see the market in five years, and where do you see yourself
0: at that time? Uh man, the market in five years—I have no idea. <laughs> um, you know, I, we are you know you may call it a recession you may whatever you want to, however you want to frame it up i think the reality is we're going to see a dip in the market and then probably see it spring up a little bit um i don't think it will be as bad as 2008 but we'll certainly see a little bit of a correction i don't think it will be as drastic as many people are expecting it to be um with that said i think the market will be fairly stable five years from now um you know i see ourselves Growing our business, uh, continue to invest in multifamily as well as expanding. We're really interested into note investing right now. We think notes are a phenomenal uh, complement to multifamily. It provides great cash flow, a little bit less risk as far as the, the acquisition side, and uh, maybe a little bit quicker of a, of a uh, cycle in the process than multifamily. So we think that could be a really nice complement to what we're doing in the multifamily space. So I do see us probably continue to grow our multifamily portfolio with investors as well as maybe dabbling into note investing with some partners as well. That's great.
2: What's a favorite book currently or a podcast, some sort of value-add
0: media that you're you're consuming? Uh, man, lots of good ones. Uh, the one I normally talk about is Atomic Habits by James Clear. It's just a phenomenal book, very, very practical. Um, the thing I love most about the book is most of the time when you read a book, it it's really... High level, you know, the thoughts that you can do, but it takes you. Know, you have to kind of change who you are, change your habits to become this individual. Atomic Habits is literally about the things you can do right now. It's about the tiny, tiny changes that you can make every day to become the kind of person that you want to be. Um, it's not about running, you know, five miles a day. It's about putting on your shoes right? So it's stuff like that that helps you to really understand what's the habit. The habit's not running. The habit is putting on my running shoes. And if I put on my running shoes, then the next habit that I'm going to stack on top of that is, you know, stretching or whatever the case may be. But even if you put on your shoes and then take them off, you've done it, right? The habit is getting in the habit of putting on your shoes. It's not kind of this goal of running five miles. And I think that was just a really compelling perspective that lets us think about, how we actually form good habits and make those small daily changes.
2: What's, normally don't ask this one, but do you have a favorite habit?
0: Um, one of my favorite habits is, it's uh, it may sound silly, but I I um I like to wake up. I like to do 50 push-ups. Actually, I'm at 58 now. I was adding one push-up a week. So I'm at 58 push-ups now um, before I do anything. So it doesn't matter how bad I have to go to the restroom. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anything else. But when I get out of bed, the first thing I have to do is my fifty-eight push-ups. And then I can go use the bathroom, get into my affirmations and things like that. But the the push-ups is just um, there was a period not too long ago where I I struggled to do thirty push-ups, and I've been in pretty good shape most of my life. And I was like, man, I can't do thirty. Like I was winded, and I was like, dude, come on, man, you got to work on that. So just getting into the habit of doing push-ups on a daily basis allowed me to 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 get a win on the board. And I I think whatever it is, getting the first win of the day is really what it boils down to. That could be making your bed, that can be doing push-ups, but getting a win immediately in the morning starts you off on the right foot. That's awesome.
2: What's your favorite way to give back, add value to the real estate community that's given so much to you this last few years to get to where you are in your success?
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, um, one of the biggest things that we do is we like to host events. So we have our Midwest Real Estate Networking Summit, which is coming up July 25th and 26th. We are doing a virtual component because we know uh there's a lot of concern. So that's something we're doing. But outside of that, we um we we host our Chicago Multifamily Club. I love hosting our podcast, not just for me, but I love having conversations like this, sharing the knowledge, sharing the information that I've gained over the last, you know, nine, nine, ten years of real estate investing. And I think that's really where the value is, is trying to help somebody else who's in the shoes that, you know, I may have been in a decade ago or starting out and and just trying to help them avoid the challenges and mistakes that uh, I've seen others make that I may have made myself and really just, you know, paying it forward, just trying to find ways to continue to educate people, share the knowledge that we have and uh, making life a little bit easier for somebody who, who wants to get in. I mean, for me, I didn't know a lot of people who are actually doing this. You know, I could read books all day long and I could go to a REA meeting, but um, I didn't know these people. So to actually start to get to know them and realize this was real, this was possible, this was doable and build those kind of relationships. That was really a powerful thing for me. So I try to take my my time to connect with other people and, and kind of demonstrate that this is real. It's not you know, a telemarketing scam that you're, you're seeing on uh, late night infomercials. There are a lot of people who are doing this and doing it successfully. There's certainly some challenges that come with it, but it's doable if you're willing to commit to it. So I'd definitely like to make sure that we are continuing to present ourselves in that light and helping other people where we can.
2: That's great. We appreciate the value you give back and all of our other uh, awesome guests that we've had on here, they all have that same mindset of give first. So we really appreciate that for sure. So, well, what's what's the best way we can throw in the show notes that people can reach out to you if they're in your area or listening and that marketing has piqued their interest? What's What's the best way they can reach out to you?
0: Yeah. I mean, one of the easiest things to do is shoot me an email. Um, my email is john at casmancapital.com. I'm happy to connect with you via email. I'm on LinkedIn very often. So you can connect with me on LinkedIn as well. And then if you're interested in the summit, the check out the website. is just midwestresummit.com. Uh, and then if anyone's interested in seeing a sample deal, um, I put this put this together so people understand what a sample deal package could or should look like. You can go to casmancapital.com slash sample deal. And you you can download a free sample deal there that will allow you to see what a good package looks like for anybody trying to put together on their own deals.
2: And I bet because I've been listening to what you've been talking about, I bet that if I find that interesting, I can put in my email to have more value add information sent to me. Is that, would, would my guess be correct there?
0: Even better to get that you have to put in your email to download the sample deal but yes it goes back to what we talked about with the provocative lead generation piece the sample deal is the one we came up with and it's about adding value right i mean if people get it and they feel like yo this was crap why did this guy do this then that's not going to be a good experience for anybody but i spent a lot of time it's a sample deal that we really worked on and um it's it's you know it's a fictitious deal based on deals that i was actually underwriting Um, And I think it'll, you'll get a good sense of the way we approach it, the way structures work, all the things that you may need to understand if you are looking to do multifamily deals. So in exchange for that, I want your email address and then to be able to email you in the future.
2: (laughs) Hey, win-win right there. So that's right. Excellent. All right, John, um, as always, my friend, until next time,
1: think outside the box. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Creative Real Estate Podcast. Jason Lewis and myself, Adam Adams, are grateful to have you as a loyal listener. And I do have one quick favor to ask is if you are looking for apartment investing, then go to apartmentinvestingshow.com. That is the brand new YouTube channel that I just launched, brand new YouTube channel, Uh, Again, this is only for apartment investing. That's all we talk about there. It is The Apartment Investing Show and you can find it by going to apartmentinvestingshow.com.